Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, The Brad Report contains spoilers. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us, five stars only, and make sure you hit the subscribe button. You can follow The Brad Report on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. And last week, we talked about The New Mutants, which was a lackluster film that had a great premise, but didn't really follow through. So if you'd like to hear more about that, please check out our episode on The New Mutants. And this week, we will be discussing Christopher Nolan's Tenet. We will be belly flopping into that movie. There's a lot going on. So we will be discussing spoilers and talking about all of the intricacies and complexities of that film. So we hope you enjoy what we have to hear. And we're just going to get right into it, handing it over to Brad with the summary. A secret agent known only as the protagonist is recruited to join a mysterious elite secret temporal agency that is on a mission to save the current world from the future world. Using a method of time travel known as inversion to flow backwards in the timeline in order to sabotage the plans of future terrorists, thus saving the day and preventing the apocalypse. Pretty good summary, considering all the complex stuff that's going on there. I I wasn't I wasn't quite sure because it was my way to the summary of the movie, and I was a little. It took me a little bit, but I was trying to make it as succinct as possible because there's so many weeds you could fall into yeah, on this one. Exactly. Uh, so what? So since you thought so much about the summary, what are the, some of the themes that you picked out in Tenet? So there are two two main themes that I I thought were pretty pretty evident or pretty important. One is this theme of stewardship. So what do you do with the time you're given? Pun intended. Exactly. <laughs> what do you do with the time you're given? What do you do with the resources you're given? So one of the big plot points of the movie is that the the people of the future are ticked off at the people of the past because the the world that they're left with apparently is dying it is not it seems like it's not inhabitable or at least it's moving towards inhabitability because of global warming because of the way the past did not uh, cherish the resources because the past did not steward what they were given very well and so you're kind of you kind of see this stewardship theme all throughout then another theme i thought was interesting is this idea of fate and human responsibility yeah. And we'll get into this more when we get into like favorite quotes and stuff like that. Ooh, I mean, but, I, for the my theme that I picked out, I just have the quote. The quote? <laughs> okay. So I'm assuming it's the Neil quote. Yeah. You want to you wanna read yeah, it? Yeah. So he just says, what's happened has happened, which is an expression of mechanics in the world. Of It's not an excuse to do nothing. Yeah. He says it's, it's an expression, expression of faith. faith. Yeah, expression of, of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse to do nothing. Right. And so within the context of that quote, he was knowingly going back in to sacrifice his life in order for the protagonist to live and carry on throughout his and carry on with his mission. And the protagonist was asking him not to go back. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's something else we can do. And Neil was like, no, what's what's happened, happened. Like, that's just the way it is. 
but that doesn't mean I don't have that doesn't mean I get a free pass either. Yeah. And so there's there's this really there's this tension in the movie of fate and things happening the way they happen and they only happen the way they happen. But also that doesn't excuse the protagonist, that doesn't excuse Neil or Sater or anybody else from doing what they did or not doing what they should have done. Yeah, I think it's really interesting a way to approach characters and character studies and like even people in general because you know a person can only be themselves you know if a certain event comes into a person's life there is in that moment they have the free will to decide but it also kind of says well because of all the decisions you've already made which is a popular theme that decision has been made a long time ago of what you're going to do and so when there's we get the first inversion of the protagonist going back in time during the car chase there's mm-hmm. this third car that we're like what's going on it's yeah. inverted mm-hmm. it's going backwards it was him it and was then his future immediately self. it was his future self that was like going doing that like mm-hmm. there was no other option for him right. to make that he, decision and go back he went back in time with the foreknowledge of what had already happened in order to change it and it still played out exactly the way it played out in the beginning. Yeah, which is really crazy and kind of messes with your head a little bit. But also, you would, even though it played out the same way, I think that, kind of going along with that Neil quote, I think you'd still say that the protagonist still should have gone back and tried. He still should have made that effort. He was still responsible to try to save Cat's life, which is just, it's a a little interesting. It is a little interesting. But now that we've kind of talked about that, so what do you think of Christopher Nolan overall as a writer, director, creative? Some people have given him the the title of an auteur, I believe is the title of it, is where he's so involved in his filmmaking with the script, the direction, like everything. Uh, he's kind of given the title of the author of the of the movie, not just the director, but the author. So what do you think of Christopher Nolan overall as a writer and director? I like Nolan. I think that I think he's a good storyteller. I think he's been I think he's really good with these like big blockbustery types of movies and just I don't know, lots of great action scenes. When you think of Christopher Nolan, I, I always think of like Batman and of course. Inception, of course. stuff like that. And there's there's just great great action scenes in all of his movies. I think one thing he does a good job at and there's a line with this, right? So, but I think that he does a good job creating like an air of mystery around his movies and even within the movie itself. And there's a fine line there, right? Because you, you can tip over that line to where it's things are just completely unrecognizable. They don't make sense at all. But if you stay on the right side of that line, things are kind of mysterious and they draw you in. They make you wonder, okay, what's going on? How does this work? How does that work? And I think Nolan, for the most part, does a really good job of staying on the right side of that line and making things that are mysterious, but not, not totally unknowable or totally un unthinkable, you know? Yeah. I, I really like him a lot as well. I was listening to a podcast the day after we saw the movie and they were just bashing Nolan a ton. And they thought inception was, it's like, there's too much going on. I'm, I don't want to understand this. And what really kind of like peeved me was that these people were doing a tenant review with 
there are three people on the show, on the pad, co- podcast show. I mean, their podcast is more popular than ours, but I'm still going to throw jabs at them. Just they'll, call them out. They'll call never hear them it's the it's like uh, the ringer is like mo- the, the binge mode, right? The binge. No, no, it's not it binge, binge mode. mode. It was like movies, like at okay. the movies or whatever. It's the ringers kind of like movie reviewing. Okay, okay. And they brought in a guest speaker from Canada that had seen it. I think they're in California. And they're like, yeah, we haven't seen it, but tell us some things about a non-spoiler review. And then they're just like the whole time is them just kind of like bashing Nolan and his yeah. movies. And they're like, yeah, Inception was too complicated. It didn't make sense. And the Dark Knight really should have ended when the Joker was in the police car with his head out the window. And I was just thinking, I was like, who are these people? And Because I really love Christopher Nolan a lot for the Batman movies, Inception, The Prestige. Interstellar was crazy. Dunkirk was good. And Tenet now. You made a face when I said Interstellar. <laughs> Something tells me you're you're just like don't like that. I'm into it. It's fine. I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't love Interstellar a ton. Yeah, Um, that's a it's a fun movie. You know, it's it's great. great. Yeah, I watched that movie and I was thinking, I was like, it was like such an emotional marathon. Yeah, I was like so exhausted. I was like that movie was so so good. I don't want to ever see it again. Yeah, there is something to Nolan. He likes to make complicated movies. Oh, of course. And there's something kind of ironic about about this one where it's like this movie is almost made for your future self. Yeah. Like I feel like you'll like it more the next time you watch it or the time after that. And so, I mean, I get what they're saying, but I, I don't know. I like his movies. Yeah, I, I like his good. movies too. I think they're great. Um, okay, so starting getting into the premise, like the summary is like the premise is kind of like this Cold War between – Secret agencies, a.k.a. the past and present and the future to save the world via time. Like, when you say that, you're like, holy smokes, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but I think there are some things kind of just like we're going to definitely get into where it's just like, ah, this could have gone a little bit better or like made it a little bit more simple, I think. Um but what do you think about so the time travel is called inversion. Mm. So what is it and how does it work? So this is really it's it's really interesting. So they go into you go into this like turnstile machine and they don't give us a lot of specs on the machine so they don't tell us exactly how it works or exactly what it's doing. But it inverts a person. Right? It makes a person go it inverts their body so that they go backwards on the space-time continuum, essentially. And everything is inverted, right? It, their body breathes carbon dioxide now, and so they have to bring in their own oxygen mask. What is hot is now cold. What goes forward now goes backwards. I mean, they are completely inverted. And they don't tell us exactly how they do this, but the only way to get back on the proper forward timeline, to get reverted, you have to go back into the turn style, and it spits you out. What I, what I did appreciate about this, though, was that Christopher Nolan co- color-coded it for us. Oh, for sure. He color-coded it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're in the red room, you're being inverted. When you get thrown back in the blue room, you're being reverted. And so I really appreciate that. But yeah, it was interesting. And they didn't give us a lot of specs. And so I've been, I've been like, Googling and reading and just trying to figure out 
what what is going on or what could, could that machine be doing and i think i've settled on a, a theory that i like there are these there are theoretical hypothetical particles that we don't know of called tachyon particles okay these are theoretical particles that travel faster than the speed of light and so i'm i'm assuming that in the future they discovered they actually discovered these hypothetical particles and are radiating people's bodies with tachyon particles which moves faster than the speed of light so that they can go backwards on the timeline okay I have no idea if that's right. <laughs> I don't think um, Christopher well, Nolan's the only one that will know if that's right or I'll not. I'll be honest. After this movie, I went down a massive wormhole on YouTube and the yeah. internet of time travel. and Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, I think it's really, really cool. And like one of the things that when we were watching it in the theaters with Josh Rothschild, shout out Josh. He picked up on something that neither of us did in in some of the in the final battle with some of the inverted scenes. Mm-hmm. The protagonist and I think his name is Ives Eves, the military commander. Yeah. Um, and Neil's kind of like they're going forward. Neil's going backwards, and they were cutting in between the two as the battle was progressing towards the middle, or in towards the end on each sides. Mm-hmm. So he noticed that as the protagonist and Eves were going in one direction. And then as Neil was going, the music was then being played backwards, right? Which was really, really cool and really clever about how all of those things work together. And just even the detail that he goes into on this and uh, the perspective from when the protagonist is fighting himself in the, in the SWAT gear, how, when you're watching it the first time, your perspective is totally centered on the protagonist in his suit. And then the second time, like 20, 30 minutes later, it's completely focused on your, your perspective completely changes viewing it from another direction, but it's Mm -hmm. exactly the same, which is really, really cool. So I really, it's really clever. It's really cool, but I think there's a lot more that could have been explained and just like, one of the lines in this, uh, the move early in the movie, it's like, "Hey, don't try and understand it; just feel it," which we're going to get into a little bit later. I was just like, "Well, now I really want to understand it. You can't just tell me like, oh, don't worry about it,' you mm-hmm. know?" Which I was kind of frustrated with. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about the title of Tenant? Okay, so I have to, I have to give a shout out to my friend Ty McGowan for pointing this out. And the pointing out the reason that the uh, movie is called Tenet and where that came from. And this is really cool. So Christopher Nolan's Tenet is a reference to this thing called the Seder Square, which is a a historical... Did you say Seder Square? Uh-huh. S-A-T-O-R? Yeah. Which is the name of the villain. Yeah. Well, hold on. You'll see. Okay. So the Seder Square is a... Is an artifact that is from the ruins of Pompeii and is a, a stone square with five words written in Latin on it. And the words are Seder, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Rotas, which that sentence is a palindrome. Okay. So if you start from the top and read down, it reads Seder, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, 
Rotas. If you start from the bottom up, it reads Seder, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Rotas. Wow. And so, it's in, and he took that stone, and it's really interesting. So Seder is the name of the villain, like you just like you just mentioned. Arepo is the name of the unseen art dealer involved with Kat's purchase of the Goya painting. Wow. Uh, Tenet is it's Latin in this. And so tenant means to preserve and sustain. And if you think about the, the protagonist, when he is sent to, when he's sent with the word tenant, his job is to sustain and preserve the current timeline, preserve the events of the past and make sure that nothing gets blown up and preserve the world. And opera, obviously like the opera plays, a huge, big deal and mm-hmm. kind of like bookending, like yep. where his first interaction with the yep. with inversion is. And rotas is a verb which means to rotate. So I, I have to shout my friend Ty That's for crazy. Ty point out the Seder That's Square so to me. Crazy. And then I started doing some some reading on it, and there are several articles about it. And it, that is so cool to me. That's super cool. Wow. Shout out to Christopher Nolan for and your buddy Ty. That's amazing. Um, so when I answered that question, I kind of took it in a little different direction. Some other things, because like when you Google it, Google the definition or you look up the definition of tenet, it's a principle or belief, especially one of the main principles of a religion or philosophy. And I think that's a really cool way to look at. So what is the tenet? And so the tenet that like, oh, that governs the movie is what has happened has happened Mm. but as neil says like it's a faith in the mechanics of the world but that doesn't mean you have an excuse to do nothing um and that was like really cool and just like a tenant is also kind of a could be like a word for a temporary resident you know he's a a tenant is a i mean it's spelled differently i was about to say i don't think that's right but it's similar but anyways, okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, di- it is a, it's a it different is, word. It's a different word. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, it's a palindrome, and I think one of the things is just like what, like what has happened has happened, and I think as we get into that more, it's just like you know, we this movie is a cool concept, but we know that we can never change the past. Mm. We right. can never like do inversion. And even if we did, apparently like the result would be the same because we've already gone back in time if we had, and the results would still be the same. Right. So I think that's a really cool kind of saying like understanding the past and also coming to terms with what has happened in everyone's life and just like whether good, bad, and just working through that and, but that's not an excuse to do nothing. Mm. So I thought that was, I was really um, enjoyed like thinking on that. But what do you think about the relationship that this movie kind of presents with the past, present, and future? Yeah, I think this comes back to the thing that I talked about earlier of stewardship and what we do now um, and what in the movie, what those, what they were doing now and how they were treating the world was the problem of the next generation, right? And in that movie, the enemy of the future was the present. If you think about it, that's kind of, 
I mean, that's kind of just the way the world works, right? Like whatever we do, however we leave the shape of the world will be what our kids, our grandkids inherit from us. And this movie kind of took that and flipped it on its head a little bit where the present enemy was the future as well. I mean, I think that there's a, there's a good message there of what we do and how we treat the world and how we protect it and take care of it will dictate what the next generation gets to inherit. Yeah. Which I think is kind of intuitive, but also, I mean, it's just true. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was really interesting where the, and I'll get into this a little bit later, where the people in the present have to be willing to die in order to get invited into the organization. Yeah. And then they're kind of, there's, it's brought up several times. I don't know if it's communicated super well, but basically like you only leave the organization by dying. Mm -hmm. And so the future can't know about what they've been doing right. in the present and in the past. And I thought that was really interesting to say that like every person is just like, you know, when we retire, quote unquote, mm. it's like we just we just die. We're just going to either have someone kill us, kill ourselves or do what. And I thought that was really interesting because like what sets apart the protagonist from Seder is that he even though like it's really cool to see that he's he starts the organization he continues to be inverted mm. and goes into the past yeah to start the organization to recruit, and, to recruit yeah. neil to recruit other people at the end he says like yeah we weren't working for for someone else like we're both working for me for mm -hmm. like past me yeah. which is really trippy but also that he makes the decision to kill priya to save Kat and her son mm -hmm. to even though like that could potentially like put people at risk. So I thought that was like really interesting how those kind of those things played off of each other. But yeah, that's all that I have with the relationship. Uh, anyway, one more thing okay. I say every generation has rebelled against the generation that has come before. And I think that goes back to what you said, like this is just, a part of life uh we we're seeing that today like generations now that are young yeah. like they're just like ticked off at everybody that's older than them that people that haven't been able to get certain things done and i think that's just part of life you know that's just kind of i mean you see that in in style you see that in young people you see that in politics you see it all over but that's all that i'll say about that yeah all right, let's let's go back to something you mentioned earlier. You said that you there's a quote in the movie that you seemed like you didn't particularly like. But the quote was, "Don't try and understand it, feel it." And this is when the protagonist is talking to the scientist and she's explaining to him what inversion is. He's a little bit confused on the idea. She does understandably confused. Don't try to understand it, just feel it. So Brad, how did you feel about that? <laughs> I think like because I think like Christopher Nolan is asking us to like, don't try and understand the movie necessarily, like just feel to like, just experience it, just like live in the moment. And I think that's good to some extent because we can get so in our heads and be so critical and do all our reviews and podcasts and critiques and breakdown videos and all of those things. But I think 
movies are definitely supposed to make you feel things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're also supposed to understand because if you don't understand something, then can you really appreciate it? Yeah. I mean, there's a line, right? Like, yeah. Like on one hand, on one hand, like this is a movie for right? sure. And you are supposed to suspend reality for a little bit. Absolutely. Right. Like any movie you watch pretty much, unless it's a, a biopic or some form of historical fiction, like you, you're supposed to suspend reality for a little bit. Exactly. That's, That's why point. we enjoy Star That's Wars and Marvel movies. Right, right. And I think that, like you said, like the basic premise needs to make sense and the the plot needs to be coherent and doesn't need to be at odds with itself. But man, I, I've seen some people just teasing this this movie apart so much and finding like nitpicky things of like, well, this doesn't make sense when you put this in line with that and like well, how did the bullets get there already? Like, I don't know. I don't understand, I don't understand how the bullets were there first either. But yeah. They are. Yeah. Just, just go with it. It's okay. Or like how, okay. in Inception, like, how does this machine work where I'm yeah. lying in a chair, I have a needle in my arm, and then my subconscious is in someone else's subconscious? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Like, nobody is like. You just go with you it. You just go with it. You yeah. just go with it. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that was like. I think I need to watch it again mm-hmm. and just kind of because there were parts where I couldn't really hear and I've got some like hearing issues already. And I was just like, wait, what are they saying? Like, I don't think that was a you issue. Yeah, I don't think so either. But anyways, but I think like this kind of like we talked about with Han Solo, this movie will get better with more rewatches. Yeah, I'm sure it will. And. I, I do love I love when directors and people throw lines into the movie that feels like it's to the audience. Oh, absolutely. It's just like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, it, yeah. It's almost like the, uh, and I want to talk about this too, it reminds me of the Last Jedi movie where. Oh, I know exactly where, what you're going to say. Where Kylo, where Kylo starts screaming, stop holding on. You're holding on to things of the past. And it's like, yeah, you guys kind of are. Well, I mean, I would and say same thing for this movie. He's like saying, "Don't understand it, just feel it." I think Nolan was trying to warn everybody, like, "Hey, like, try to wrap your mind around the basic principle, but don't drive yourself crazy with this. It's a movie. Just go with yeah, it, please." Yeah, movies are meant to be fun and yeah, entertaining. Just go with it. Just go with it. So let's get into some character breakdown. So we only have. About four or five, maybe six main characters. So we've got the protagonist, Neil, Kat, Sador, Ives, and Priya. Let's do a little breakdown on who was the most like compelling character. What what stood out to you kind of like highlights of these characters? So I thought that the protagonist and Neil were both super charismatic. And super fun and surprisingly funny. This movie had a few few laughs in it. Um, I can think about when the protagonist is meeting up with uh, Michael Caine's character. Or what's his name? Crosby. Yeah, Crosby. He's meeting up with Crosby for Michael lunch. Michael Caine in another Christopher Nolan I, film yeah. for one scene. Yeah, and I thought that he was really funny there. Uh, like the way he, he treated the... Um, the restaurant workers after they had treated him rudely. Can you box that up for yeah. me? <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. I I thought that Cat was really good too. 
Oh, Seder was an excellent villain. He was super yeah. believable. Yeah, he I was mean, an amazing villain. I definitely felt like he was a terrible, terrible human being. So that's good. Uh, what would you think? Yeah, I thought, uh, I think it could have been better if the protagonist had had an actual name. And I just think it was just like the protagonist, he's just kind of given this blank slate of a name so that you can fill in any kind of characteristic that you want. It's just like, okay, well, why is he, why is he being nice to Kat? And why is he trying to save her? Because he's the protagonist. Yeah, because he's the protagonist. Right. It's just like, he's the good guy. There's no like, mm. oh, wh- how do I understand this character? It's just like, oh, he's the good guy. He's the hero. Yeah. And so he was like, obviously, we spend the most time with him. So I liked him a lot. But Neil was just, he was so charismatic. He had such like good humor and just like, oh, you're like when they're trying to go into the mm. air to like to investigate like Priya's husband, who they then find out is like Priya is the one involved. Just like, uh, how are we going to do that? Oh, there's nowhere in. It's like, we bungee jump in or bungee jump off. It's like, oh, that may be our way in as well. Yeah. And then after he does the investigation into like kind of like the safe house, the cargo areas, it's like, you want to crash a plane. He's like, well, not from the air. That's <laughs> so dramatic. It's not so dramatic. It's like, well, how big of a plane? He's like, oh, that's a little bit dramatic. And I thought it was just like super winning and fun. And Robert Pattinson, man, what an actor. Yeah, I thought that they, I thought they were good together too. Yeah, their chemistry was great. I thought the protagonist was good too. He he kind of had some of that like stone cold like qualities about him that were really fun. And there's one quote where he said something like, "You know, I'm not the guy they send in." Let me see. I think I have it written down. Yeah, I'm not the man they send. I'm not the man to send messages or the man to make deals with, but I am the man people talk to. Dang. Okay. Yeah, this guy means business. Yeah, I thought, I mean, as well, like Seder, Kenneth Branagh is like an amazing villain. Um, He does a great job. I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson as Ives was fun. Uh, Priya was great. And like Kat was just like, you could tell that she was just like, she portrayed like being in an abusive, like being afraid and being fearful. Like that was super believable. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially like Cat and Sabre's relationship. I thought the cast was the best part of the movie. I thought they were all excellent. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that are just like, I think in, this is kind of like not so much of the character's fault, but like as they're doing the dialogue, like they're having to explain so much. I just thought it was like super, super Lots quick. of exposition. Lots of exposition. And just like even the conversation with... Uh, uh, the protagonist and Michael Caine is just like, they're just like, it's just like 10 lines, just like in 30 seconds. Of well, just like bam, 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 bam. I think part of that also is just like the nature of what they're doing, right? Just like the nature of, I don't have a lot of experience being a secret spy. Neither do I. Um, especially not like a time traveling spy. But I would imagine that efficiency is pretty key. And this idea of like secrecy and keeping what you know at a minimum and only sharing what you, what you can share and what you absolutely have to share. So I think a part of that is just like, just the nature of being a spy, right? Like you're not going to voluntarily share any more information than you have to. Yeah. It feels like Christopher Nolan wanted to make a bond film as well. You know, he wanted to make a James Bond film, but at a time, which like, I love James Bond. So Mm. like, I think 
that'd be really cool if he did like knowing how like much like the action and the suspense was done like man christopher Nolan just like kind of like sign up for a bond film as well which i like i would love to see yeah that could be so cool it's great what about uh so yeah what kind of like we already talked about several of our quotes yeah do you have any more or any scenes that you want to say well, just like man this was amazing well before before we get into that let's get into just like a couple of things that we found compelling about the movie or okay. questionable about the movie okay so i so things i i found that were pretty pretty compelling i I thought the very like the idea of the future attacking the past is really interesting, and I love that they got into like this whole like grandfather paradox type thing. Like, could you go back in time and shoot your grandfather if you wanted to? Would you still would because like, if it's you like, shot him, would you exist to even shoot him? So could you shoot him? And I thought that was that was really interesting. And, and they're like, so what's the answer? It's like there is no answer. It's right. a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that like the future had kind of banked on this idea of like, yeah, you can. You can go back and shoot them, and you're totally fine because you're still here. You were there to shoot them, so you must be okay. Yeah. And the future just kind of like, yep, yeah, it's whatever. We're going to be fine. But Neil, it seemed like even though he said there's no answer, he it seemed like he kind of took the took the like the side of like you can't shoot your grandfather, you know. And so I just like that idea in general about like the future attacking the present. The cast was probably the biggest plus of the movie to me. Thought the action scenes were fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Action scenes. The speak of action scenes. When I remember when he meets up with Cap for the protagonist meets up with Cap for dinner, oh, and then he goes into great. the kitchen, and there she's like, "Well, you're gonna get about to get the crap beat out of you, and like mm -hmm. you're not gonna be dead, but you'll be close to it." Mm -hmm. And then he just goes in there and just starts owning those guys, yeah. and then he picks up the cheese grater. And I remember oh, when he picked that up. Is, it made you, me Josh, and I were just like, "Oh, oh!" It made me cringe. I <laughs> and mean, then he like oh, slices across the dude's like ear and oh, face. That even, was I can't even imagine having a cheese grater slapped across my face. It was. Oh, I was just that oh my me, that goodness. made me cringe. Yeah, Ugh. the action scenes even when like they're obviously infiltrating this place to get out this informant at the opera house mm -hmm. and you can, when they're just they're sprinting to every location yeah to get there in time i was just like holy smokes like these guys know what they're doing yeah and this guy's like really good at what he does and just the efficiency of it uh i the thought the car chase the car chase was super was, cool anytime we're you know Neil and the protagonist are like in an action scene together, whether that's the bungee jumping scene, yeah. the car chase, like infiltrating the the storage like area when they're trying to unlock the doors and they're holding their breath. Mm -hmm. uh, that was like a ton of fun. And just Neil explaining things to him when like the protagonist feels like he's recruiting him. And then he, the protagonist is like, no, I've been on the inside the whole time. Like, yeah. Those interactions are super, super cool. So yeah. what, what about this movie? Did you find questionable or not enjoy as much? I had a hard, like I said before, I had a hard time hearing yeah. the dialogue. Okay. So I, even when they're on the skis, like, yeah, it was or hard on the boat or they're like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what are you saying? It was so hard to hear. There's a couple of times in the movie theater, I, I turned to you and I was like, Hey, what did they say? And you were just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm trying to pay attention. And like, I would lean forward. I'm like, am I 
It's like, man, do I need to get my ears checked? So I and... thought that it was just like a problem with our theater at first. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe our theater, something's funky with it. I don't know. But it's been such a big problem everywhere. I mean, it's just like the sound mixing of the movie. And I've seen some people suggest that Nolan did this on purpose, that it was like a purposeful thing, that for whatever reason he wanted you to maybe just – Realize that maybe like the dialogue isn't as, as important as what's actually happening or something. Then why have but it? You I, know? I, he, I, my thing is like if he did it on purpose, it was dumb. Yeah. Like, I I would hope that it was just like a mistake of of the sound mixing and they like accidentally made it where you couldn't hear as much. Yeah. I'd hope that's not like a stylistic thing that he did on purpose. Yeah, I knew. Like I've listened to some podcasts where like I've heard people and like people also do this for like memes and stuff where they'll just like watch movies with subtitles just to like get some funny content mm -hmm. or try and understand like context of scenes better what they add yeah and never in my life have i had that thought like this would be better if i could watch the subtitles right i had that thought during this movie and i was just like i think i would understand a little bit more if i actually was able to like it's see so and read what was going on yeah and but like the action scenes were great. And apparently he was like, Nolan was super proud of the fact that like there's, he says there's probably less CGI in this film than in rom-com movies. So like a ton of practical effects. That's he, great. Uh, yeah, that's great. Like even the, but I still want to hear them. Yeah. I still want to hear the movie for sure. Um, and yeah, I kind of see. Yeah. I just like, think it's also just like, so how does he go back in time to live? So at some point you're just like, so there, th so there's like, there's the part of him that was going forward to that point where he gets recruited. Uh -huh. And then there's also a version of, him, of himself that's in the past, like way back in the past, starting the organization, like living forward. And then there's the version of himself that is like, inverting as he's like kind of like as he's fighting himself so there's like three versions of himself which i was just like how does that even work <laughs> um that was just like kind of like a fun i don't understand this yeah questionable i think i think another thing that i i don't know i think this is just kind of like a nolanism mm -hmm. or sometimes he gets these these concepts or these like really complex ideas and for long stretches of the movie it feels like the movie is just going Hey, look how cool this is! <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Just, like I felt like the movie, it, it's at some points, it felt like it just like kept pointing back to the premise of like, and look, how, look how cool Inversion is, instead of like advancing the story more. And I guess on one hand, like you want to, well, I would say on one hand, you want to explain it better, but he didn't, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like a ton of exposition on like how Inversion works, but i don't know i just felt like the movie relied too much on like hey look what we can do look how cool this is as opposed to like advancing the stories like kind of like some Neil of the Gaiman, best, you know some of the best stories like like technology and stuff uh like some of the best like sci-fi stories the technology serves more as a setting as opposed to the main idea mm -hmm. and i feel like parts of this movie the technology served as like the thing as opposed to the setting of the story yeah i think uh, like take Star Wars, for example, which we both love and cherish deeply, is that the force is not the thing that like sets the story forward. Like the main thrust of like, especially the original original trilogy 
is Luke is on a quest. It's the people. Yeah, it's the people. Han, like, they're trying to defeat the Empire. Yeah, for sure. And the Force and lightsabers and the spaceships, they're just just like, they're they're props. Yeah, exactly. They're tools to use to, like, Mm -hmm. help, like, move the story forward. It's like, oh, well, how are we going to, how is Luke going to fight Vader? And And it's like. To me, I feel like at times, inversion was the story as opposed to just, like, the setting of the story. But. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even like understand. It's just like, so there's this key that's like the algorithm that like somehow the future is trying to get a hold of. And I was like, where is, where is this coming from? And so the so the algorithm is, I'm assuming like a mathematical equation or something like that's that. That's put together by like metal pieces. Well, I think that. So they, I mean, they obviously, they don't give us like the very like technical specs of that. But I, I think my understanding of it is whatever is going on in the turnstile like machine where you walk in and you become inverted or you put bullets in and they become inverted. So it's like a piece of that. My understanding is whatever causes you to be inverted, the algorithm when put together and the explosion happens and it scatters that out so much so that the entire world becomes inverted and goes back in time. And so people in the organization took the algorithm and split it up and hit it in the past. And then they, the future that was trying to blow up everything was trying to, to put find, it together, yeah. blow it up so that that spread throughout the entire world so the world would become inverted. That okay. was my understanding. Man, you understand a lot better than me. <laughs> I was just like, okay, cool. We got to go get this thing to save the world. And, uh, um, it's just like, oh, you know, the thing we got to get to yeah. save the world. Oh, that one. Yeah, like Han Solo in... Uh, the Force Awakens. There's got to be a way to blow it up. Yeah. There's always a way to blow it up. Oh man, that's super funny. All right, Brad, do you have any quotes that we haven't that we haven't already mentioned that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I think one of the things that I kind of touched on briefly is the guy who recruits the protagonist. His name's Victor. He says, "We all believe we'd run into the burning building, but until we feel that heat, we can never know." Yeah, you do, and I think like that's it's really interesting because so many people are like, we play out hypothetical scenarios, you know, mm-hmm. people do like trauma uh, or like, you know, active shooter training, yeah, like for all sure. this stuff. And people think like, Oh, you know, well, like if this comes down to it, like I would, I would go do that. And they're just like, but well, you don't I, know. I can say that in like in the safety of a training but session. You don't know. Yeah. You don't, you know. don't know. You'll never know. And I thought that was really cool is that every person that they recruit is that they now know they had to they, they had, had to show and display that they were willing to go into the fire yeah they were willing yeah. to die mm-hmm. in order to protect whatever previous cause whether it's like cia yeah, or whatever, whatever it, it is yeah yeah so i thought that was really cool um what about you do you have any more I've yeah got another one after that i have a few so i have a three three neil quotes and then a uh, protagonist I mean, quote neil's got the best quotes neil did have good quotes so when he was explaining the the plan to crash the plane into the um airport museum security thing thing, whatever it was he said bold i'm fine with i thought you're gonna say nuts yeah (laughs) yeah and then another neil quote and this was about breaking into um oh what's her name priya 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 breaking into their home and so you can talk with the the arms dealer and this quote kind of passed me by in the moment, but then in hindsight, it's really cool. And so 
Neil says, time isn't the problem. Getting out alive is. Yeah. And in the moment, you don't really think about it, But in hindsight, when you realize that Neil has been a part of this time traveling agency for, for years, years. Mm-hmm. and he knows that the protagonist will eventually be involved in it. And it's just kind of so, it's just, I don't know, it's just cool that he says time isn't the problem. Right? Because Neil knows, like, hey, like, no, we've got time. We can always go back. And like, it's okay. And so it's just kind of cool that in hindsight, Neil knew the entire time that time was okay. Yeah. And I think that as well, it shows like getting out alive. It's like understanding that like before we like, well, you're not going to get out of the organization mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. It says, you know, we're For all, sure. we're all going to die at some point. It's kind of like what has happened has happened. Mm-hmm. And who knows if like the protagonist has already, you know, gone back. Cause that's one of the questions that I really had is like, how did, Neil know that unless the protagonist or Eve's told him like, Hey, we need someone to go down there and open the door for us. Like, how did he know that he needed to go back down into the tunnel in order to unlock the gate for them? Well, I that think was one he, of my questions. I think he, he saw, well, he saw the, uh, the bad guys henchmen go down there. Yeah. And so I don't think he was necessarily going down there because he knew the gate needed to be unlocked. I think he was going down there because he saw the henchmen going down there. And so he knew that there would be more trouble than expected. Okay. And so I, th- cause you know, he saw the, I don't even know what that he character. He saw them set the tripwire. I don't even know what that character's name is, but uh, he saw the that. The bald henchman. Yeah. He saw that guy setting stuff up and going down there. And so I think Neil, he didn't necessarily know what he was going to have to do, but he knew that they would need help. Yeah. Is how I saw it. Uh, so i got two more quotes, and these are quotes we've already mentioned, but I'll just read them again because I like them. What's happened happened, which is an expression of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse to do nothing. Then the protagonist quote, I'm not the man to send messages or the man they make deals with, but I am the man people talk to. Yeah. My final, those are good. Those are so good. My final quote is, a Neil quote, said, the world will never know what could happen. Even if they did, they wouldn't care because mm. no one cares about the bomb that didn't go off. Only the one that did. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was really cool to see just like kind of even talking about like humanity's indifference yeah. towards the things and how their like Cold War like tenant agency is just like they're fighting mm-hmm. to almost like to continue for to be invisible. Yeah. For nothing to happen, for there no, to be no destruction. And most people are just like, you know, we just had September 11th. Like, people care so much about, like, remembering and honoring uh, the people that died and the people that um, were, like, on that day. But, you know, how many terrorist attacks have been stopped since then? And people are just like... Or just any form of, Or just like any form violence of violence. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, oh, it stopped. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know? But... So I just thought that was really interesting. And wasn't, wasn't there another Neil quote where he said that the bomb that didn't go off, that is what has the potential to change the world. Yeah. Which I don't know. I like that a lot too. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right. So any, any more quotes or you want to move yeah. into some of our, All right. So what are some of your favorite scenes from this movie? Yeah, I really like the, I mean, I think I already mentioned like basically all of them, right. <laughs> but well, the, then we could just run through them. Yeah. This, I mean, the going through the movie is just like the first kind of scene where they're going to the opera house and just like mm-hmm. every action scene was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, going to the opera house, mm. um, 
when they're when they jump off of the Priya's like apartment building and they're just falling and they're just kind of yeah. like running through the air and you just see them. I'm like, and Josh was just like, "Wow, that's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, "That's so sweet." Um, but I think um, the only scenes where it's just like I don't understand like what's going on with all the dialogue. Mm. Uh, but the scene where you know the inversion where he goes back and fights himself and you see how it unfolds in reverse mm. and i think like that it, was one of my favorites too yeah yeah uh just like with the car chase and then the fight in like the warehouse area mm. with himself yeah. and you kind of see like how it's all tying together and that's when you really understand it i was gonna say for me i think that's when the movie kind of clicked into the place right when i saw him go back in time fight himself and it played out the same way and i think for me that's when it clicked i was like okay okay i see what's happening here yeah. i see what we're doing yeah because i had my suspicions when you did you yeah, called it i, well, I was like sort of yeah i was like i think he's fighting himself yeah because like it. why would uh like why would we not be able to see his face at all and then neil kind of like takes his helmet off yeah and then we just like hey what happened and he's like oh i took care of it and I was like, okay, yeah, we're setting up for something like it's going to be him. And then I liked how Neil just kind of like, when we see that the second time, Neil sees his face. He's like, he's kind of shocked. And then he just throws his helmet at him and is like, get out of here, you know, mm. or like, go do whatever you need to do, Yeah, which was really cool. And I think when at the very end, when Kat dives off the boat, mm. that's when you're just like, Ooh! you're like, oh, it makes so much sense now. Yeah. That was one of my favorite scenes too, Seder and Kat in Vietnam. Everything from that being kind of like juxtaposed. Juxtaposed. Juxtapositionized? <laughs> Seashores by the seashell. Yeah. I even said that backwards. Yeah, Here exactly. Go. Here we go. Tenant. It's happening. So Inversion. That scene was great. I loved, I mean, you go back and forth with that and this like battle and she's trying to hold Seder off from killing himself. And then at the very end, she kills him anyway. And you're and just you're like, like holy shit. you're like, wait, wait, did you do it too early? Did you do it too early? You know, and you're freaking out. And then she dives off the boat, which past Cat sees her diving off the boat. And that causes so much damage in Cat's own life. Yeah. Just a crazy cycle of events, which that was great. You've already mentioned the fight between um, the protagonist and himself. I like that scene 10 times more when you're from the other point of view, when you're from the inverted point of view. Yeah. Because things just clicked into place for me. And that was great. And then my one of my favorite scenes was the very end when Neil and the protagonist were talking and Neil was heading back in to save themselves. And the protagonist was like, no, don't, you know, don't go. He's trying to convince him to stay. He realizes that like and he saved him in well, the pit and then he saved him at the opera house. Yeah. And then my favorite uh, yeah, you see the red string mm -hmm. you know, hanging off the backpack, and it all clicks into place for the protagonist that Neil's been there all along. And he asks him, who recruited you? And Neil's like, haven't you figured it out? You did. Yeah. And then Neil says something that I thought was really, really profound. He says, for me, this is the end of our journey, but for you, this is just the beginning. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something very sweet about Neil – like one, just being at, at peace with, with the life that he's lived. Right, he has come to the end of his rope. He has fought the good fight. He is completely at ease with what's about to happen to him, and he has he's been through the journey. But also, he gets to encourage his mentor, 
who's beginning his journey, which yeah. is, I don't know, it was really cool. It was a really it's, sweet moment. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And I think it was like, it's hearkening back, obviously, to, uh, to Casablanca as well. He's like, this is the end, which is one of like, this is the end of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Where at the end of that movie, um, there the line is, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And he's like, this is the end for me, but it's like just the it's beginning. beginning for you. Yeah. All right, let's get into overall reflections and final grade. Brad, you want to start us yeah. off? I mean, the action scenes were awesome. I really liked the, like, what has happened, has happened, uh, that quote. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not, it's a faith, a statement of faith in the mechanics of the world. Um, sometimes I think it was a little too confusing. Like, yeah. we understand the dialogue was um, hard to understand. I really liked the relationship with the past, the present, and the future. Mm -hmm. um, and, but, like, as I read more about it and I understand it more, like, I'm enjoying the like how much thought that Christopher Nolan put into it. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I want to go watch it again. You know, I want to watch it again. I want to pay attention with subtitles <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, or with captions. And so, but I, I really liked it, but what was your grade? Oh, my final grade. I gave it a B plus. Okay. Nice. I, uh, yeah, I enjoy this movie. Actions were fun. I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff you said. I love the theme of stewardship and what we leave behind is what the future inherits. thought that was really cool. But yeah, I, I couldn't hear so much of the dang movie. Yeah. And that just makes it tough. Yeah, it does make it and tough. So I think one of the things that both of us experienced is like when we first got out of the theater, we were like, we were in awe. Mm -hmm. We were just, I was just like, oh man, this movie yeah. is like an, a straight A maybe an a minus but like it was good and then after like thinking through it and i was thinking about it that night and i was just like ah, i'm kind of have some issues with it yeah i'll i'll give it my final grade i'll give it a b which is a very solid movie i wouldn't put it in nolan's top five but still a very good movie that i would love to watch again and who knows maybe you'll go up from there but right now it's a b All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.